0: welcome back everybody i'm back here with miss k megan washington and we are gonna finish out the series recap of episode nine and ten hi k yay
1: hi um yeah these are two of my favorite episodes although you know great great deal of bawling involved yeah (laughs) in viewing these lots of tears lots of kleenex
0: um actually abigail and uh, i uh were wondering about uh Sons of Jacob in episode eight. So, if you mm. give us a quick rundown about what the Sons of Jacob
1: are about, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> the primary thing that I recall about Jacob, um, well, other than he was kind of a sneaky bastard, um, <laughs> his, his brother, he was one of a set of twins, and his brother was actually the firstborn, and he stole his brother's birthright mm-hmm. from him which god appears to have blessed cuz i guess that was how he wanted it but mm-hmm. anyhow um so jacob um because his brother was not happy with him for having stolen his birthright his mother sent him off um to stay with her brother in another country and um he met his cousin rachel And fell in love. And back when you could fall in love with your cousins and nobody would lock you up. And um, he wanted to marry her. And so he went to Laban, her father, and said, "Um, I would like to marry your daughter, Rachel. And he said, well, she is my favorite daughter. And so... If you work for me for seven years, then I will let you marry her. And so he worked for him for seven years and then they had the wedding and he brought her out all veiled and everything. And it turned out he discovered later, um, that, uh he had been married off to her older sister, Leah, mm-hmm. who he did not want to be married to. Right. And so he went to Laban and said, hey, what's the deal? And Laban said, well, you know, Leah's my oldest daughter and you can't marry off the younger one before you marry the older one. But how about this? I'll make a deal with you. You work for me another seven years and I will throw Rachel in to the bargain. So here's the interesting thing. Leah was able to have children And Rachel was not. Mm -hmm. She was infertile. And so Leah had all these kids during those seven years that they were first married. And then he and Rachel got married and they couldn't have any. And so Rachel um wanted Jacob to have children and so additional children. And so she gave him her handmaid, Billah, and said here have my handmaid and have children with her and then that will those children will be our children we will raise them as our own and that way you will have additional children um again odd blessing god apparently looked down on this and thought this was a good thing and so he produced a miracle and made Rachel fertile after that and so she then had his last two of the 12 sons um which would be joseph and benjamin um famous from joseph and the amazing technicolor dreamcoat um
0: <laughs> isn't also uh I don't remember but wasn't rachel also at that point when she was pregnant with her own two sons uh like old ma- old so it wasn't so much like even she if you were magically as, she fertile. wasn't as old as sarah
1: right um abraham's
0: but Past childbearing, age just was assumed, yeah, assumed. yeah.
1: Um, and so that's why it was a miracle that, and because she had been infertile in the first place. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I think the idea, well, the reason why they call the sons of Jacob the sons of Jacob is that it doesn't really matter where the kids came from, mm-hmm. they are all the sons of Jacob.
0: Gotcha.
1: Um, so given that they they were formed in response to an infertility crisis
0: ah.
1: um, it, it makes a certain
0: lots of layers <laughs> certain amount of,
1: lots of layers it makes lots a certain layers. amount of sense gotcha. there um gotcha. so that it doesn't matter whether it was a handmaid's child mm-hmm, or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. first wife's child second wife's child also They're goes kids.
0: back to that patronymic of the yes. of warren of mm-hmm. fred of exactly taking the name
1: of your commander. so that the the important person here is the father right the head of not the, the mothers gotcha mm-hmm.
0: thanks kay that was so illuminating i had remembered some of that from when we talked about it last season but i didn't remember so it's mm-hmm. good to get a nice detailed rundown once again
1: Glad and I could
0: help. Thanks so much. And going into 9 and 10, we do get more of the sense of like what the Sons of Jacob is really about because mm-hmm. we only really interface with a couple commanders at this point. Commander Waterford and um, of Daniel, uh, not of Daniel, of Warren. Um, so. Uh,
1: Commander Putnam. Putnam. Thank yeah. you. Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, we do get some more of them, of what they're plotting and what they're about. Uh, so. The Bridge episode nine starts with this another ceremonious uh, thing happening with Janine formally giving up her baby to um, Commander Putnam and his wife. Who we know is sort of a little witchy and like does not know really like super jazzed about taking care of this baby. Uh-huh. Um, uh, during this, Alfred reaches out to Alma, who's inv- involved with the resistance, which we know is called Mayday, and uh, wants to contribute. Um, and so first Alma is like, ah, I don't know, but knowing that I guess Alma finds out that Alfred went to Jezebel's, um, cause the network of information is strong. She says to go back, manage to go back somehow and get a package from Rachel at the bar. Um, so Alfred's mission that she has now accepted is to find her way back to Jezebel's, get the package and come back home. Mm -hmm. So the way that she does that is to go to Waterford's office and flirt with him. And, you know, she has this whole persona with Commander Waterford Mm -hmm. that's really gross. Like it really, (laughs) it really, (laughs) because... Like, no offense to Junior Offer, well, but, like, she... the type of person that turns on Commander Waterford, that persona, you know, like, she really has to, like, take herself down a few notches and, like, really play this role, um, which is very interesting.
1: Well, it it's clearly grossing her out a little bit, yeah, too. Yeah,
0: absolutely, mm-hmm. for sure. So when they finally do get back to the club, um, they commander Waterford is like the first thing on his mind is he just wants to go have sex in the hotel room. And so she's trying to get down to the bar and then Moira shows up and goes, Oh, I saw you guys talking. So I brought her up and there's this moment of like, just like everything is wrong. This is so wrong. Every wrong, 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 wrong. Like Moira (laughs) trying to get like Moira and June together. And so they're not having it. But luckily Waterford trusts them enough to like go take a shower while they're in the room alone together. And I guess he's
1: feel he figures there's yeah, enough people to stop them if they were to sure. try to leave.
0: And June really chews out Moira for this person that Moira's become because Moira used to be this spitfire and always looking to escape and all that good stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, now June is sort of on the same page. Like, she's part of the resistance. She's just like, help me, help me, you know, take down these people. And Moira's just like, play it safe. Play it safe. And, and so she gets chewed out by June, sort of in that way. And she has to go back. And she doesn't complete the mission. She doesn't get the package. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was sort of a fail. Um, in the meantime, uh, Nick uh, and Beth, um, who are in the kitchen, she's this um, it's part of the kitchen staff, I guess. She's like a Martha. And um, she, he's asking questions. And so she warns him. She's like, stop asking questions. You know, people are going to get suspicious. They're going to know that you're an eye. And also, you know, I can tell that you have feelings for this handmaid. So we know that, you know, the the stakes are sort of ramping up here. Um, when they return home, uh, Mrs. Waterford wakes up Alfred, And this is the scene of this episode is Janine on the bridge. And mm-hmm. Janine uh has is been at a new family, she ran away, she obviously has um mental health issues and she went to the Putnams home, took the baby and is now standing on the edge of a bridge with the baby. And so Alfred is real they've brought Offred because they know that they're close and is to try and resolve this situation. And during this Janine really gives it to the Putnams because you know you said that you know I did this I you know I sucked your cock I did all these weird things and you said you promised me we're gonna be a family you told me you loved me, so all this stuff is coming out. Um and eventually you know just this really sweet scene really between Alfred and Janine of saying you know everything's gonna be back to the way that it was like there's hope you have to have hope and uh kind of heartbreaking and eventually J- June is able to get the baby from her but Janine's just had it and was like I'm I'm gone like see you later and jumps off the bridge into the water i think this is one of the more effective character scenes like this show is so character driven but janine more so in the show than definitely in the books this character Mm -hmm. this character i just feel like is so compelling to see like how like on the extreme this can truly break someone and what are the consequences of everyone sort of breaking the rules you know it really just came down to like this you broke a poor innocent girl and you've put a baby in danger and Everybody wants to say that it's Janine's fault, but it's really the circumstances and everybody around her that's pushed her to that point, and no one wants to recognize it.
1: What I thought was really interesting, because you said something a minute ago that the reason that they had called Offred is because she and Janine are close. It's interesting how the definition of close Mm -hmm. has changed. Yeah. Um, Well, you guys were at the red center together and you see each other, you know, in the store and stuff. And we've seen you talking to her. And so you must be close. So come talk her off the bridge and keep her from killing this baby. Yeah. Um, so it's 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 just interesting because it, it, it sort of seemed awkward in some ways. I mean, yes, she cares about Janine, but she doesn't know her that well. Right. Um and yet she has been tasked with keeping her from killing herself and this baby. Really, probably more the baby than herself. They could she's she's done. I mean, mm-hmm. when she's a resource, but mm-hmm. at least she's produced the baby. Mm-hmm. So the most important thing here is to save the baby. Um, and heaven forbid if Janine had gone off the side of that bridge with the baby, cause that would have been it mm. for Alfred. Mm-hmm. Um, because she hadn't been able to talk her back in also, um, interesting thing. Number two, um, is that for all of her looking out for her and so on? Aunt Lydia couldn't call, it, couldn't get her back in.
0: Right. <laughs> I think this is also uh, one of those scenes where we really see how much Aunt Lydia cares for uh, her girls. Another example of that. I mean, obviously she's very, you know, she she can be very severe, but she really doesn't want Janine to be hurt. She obviously wants the baby to be okay, but she really has a lot of care for Janine. Mm-hmm. as we've seen over and over and this is no exception. I think once, you know, she goes off the bridge and we don't know if she's alive or not, there's the scene with Aunt Lydia looking over her uh, watching over her at the hospital. So we know that at least Janine's sort of alive. Um and uh something that I appreciate about Aunt Lydia for all of her seeming faults. Um so after that whole debacle, she's sort of out of it. And we have this weird scene where Alfred uh, is in the meat shop at the butcher. And the person working the butcher counter was like, here you go. And that the package manages, th- that she was supposed to get at Jezebel's, makes her way. And we find out that Moira was able to get it for her. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing, I think, as the series goes on, all the cracks in this world. That they've done so much to build up this reputation for, like, we uphold... The biblical law, everything is about God and morality and being pure and virtuous. But really, there are tons and tons of people who are always going to break the rules Mm -hmm. for their own gain. And so we see that on both sides. We see the commanders who are definitely corrupt. And then so the resistance can also find their way up into people who like guardians, who managed, who was the one that really gave uh, the package to offer it. And there was also the guardian in the previous episode seven who looked the Mm -hmm. other way when um, Mr. Whitford was smuggling, trying to smuggle them out of the country. So there's people, I think, in all levels where no matter what regime you try to put in place, there's going to be cracks in the system because people are human.
1: It Uh, makes me wonder whether Moira actually, whether what she was saying was you, june Mm -hmm. need to take it easy and fly under the radar and be safe because you are in a position where you have something to lose yeah i moira have nothing to lose true therefore there are things that i can do that you cannot do and you do not need to be involved with this i think initially with the way that june read it was there's no point in any of us doing anything because there's nothing that can be done. But I think once she got the package,
0: mm-hmm.
1: she may have understood that that's not quite what she meant. Or at least that's my reading of it.
0: Yeah. It I could just be that you. June
1: like energized her and <laughs> and brought the old Moira back, but I don't think she went anywhere really.
0: Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> I think it comes full circle. Like to see them have these very distinct personalities in the beginning of the series and to sort of their personalities sort of swapped. And now they've used each other. Like they've brought each other strength. Like uh, June has used the thought of Moira and Moira's spirit to to power her through so far. Mm-hmm. And now she's giving it back. You right. know, this sort of cycle of sisterhood. Exactly. And sisterhood is actually a really big theme <laughs> actually like obviously a really big <laughs> theme in this show which we definitely get to in episode 10 um so she gets the package and we don't know what's in the package um and then so moira does escape escape escapes mm-hmm. and uh gets out of the club because she's energized by by june's uh pep talk being mm-hmm. chewed out by her <laughs> so our final episode of season one season uh, episode 10 um, and, uh, we were, ju- I was just telling you that, uh, next week when the season two premieres, it's going to be episode one and two. It's going to be released on the 25th. And then according to IMDb, there's, I think going to be 12 or 13 episodes. So okay, we're getting a lot this in the season. Great. Yeah. Um, so episode 10, uh, Serena Joy discovers that Alfred went to Jezebel's and she's obviously super upset. Um, and that is in the book, the, mm-hmm. the lipstick on the cloak. She finds yep. out. And um, she makes her take a pregnancy test. And this is where we find out Alfred is pregnant. Mm-hmm. And uh, we don't know whether it's, uh, I think we talked about this last year. We don't know whether it's Commander uh, Waterford's or not, but probably not. Probably it's probably not. not. It's probably Nick's. And Nick feels strongly that it's his. Oh, and I love, 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 love the scene when Serena goes in his office and just like, like tears Fred apart. and (laughs) just yeah it's so satisfying like yes like I didn't like you the whole series you're so horrible yes and even in the same episode there's moments where you cheer for her where you're like you go girl and then she drives Alfred to where Hannah is and shows her Hannah and was like your baby is safe as long as my baby is safe
1: from inside a locked car i was like oh
0: my god so yeah serena you're sobbing
1: sobbing 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 oh my god
0: serena you're a complicated Mm -hmm. character i want to like you i want to like you but you make it hard you make it hard girl um i have a
1: feeling she was a lot more likable before a lot of this came down
0: (laughs) definitely i do i love her characterization going back to uh episode i believe uh four five it was a woman's place where she you see this vivaciousness and this really smart and witty and commanding presence of Serena and she's really just become this this husk of who she used to be because of the circumstances she put herself in so it's a lot of ironies in this situation for sure especially for Serena Joy um we get to the trial of uh Commander Putnam um and it's marked by the change in tone of uh commander waterford fred trying to brush it off mm-hmm. and be like this is no big deal guys we've been through this and commander punham um is uh, price excuse me uh, what i called before like the pope mm-hmm. he's <laughs> trying to drive the moral purity and the moral character of the commanders and he doesn't care if you're commander If you break the rules, I'm going to take you down. And so he's using Putnam sort of as this example. Mm -hmm. He's like, this is a serious matter. And so now Fred is sort of in the hot seat because Fred's known the sins he's committed. And if they're going to do that to Commander Putnam, if they any measure of the things that he's already done, Mm -hmm. he's going to go down hard. So he's getting he's getting real anxious about that. We don't get any resolution from it in this episode, but it's coming. It's coming. It's gonna come, um, and
1: and interestingly, yes. since we're talking about biblical mm-hmm. biblical things, mm-hmm. what happens mm-hmm. to Commander Putnam?
0: They take his like whole like arm.
1: His whole arm off. Which one? Was it the right one? What? Yes, it is. <laughs> so we're yeah. assuming it's his dominant hand yeah, or dominant so arm. Yeah, they cut the whole thing off.
0: Yeah. Pretty severe. So if you mm-hmm. think they're going to do some pretty severe things to the commanders, you know, the tone of this has changed. Like, the stakes have been raised, and there's definitely more layers to this of things coinciding with each other, so it's going to be interesting going forward how those things are going to intersect. Um, the handmaids are um, called for a salvaging, and it's Janine. And this is sort of. Yeah. So it's a stoning, and of course, my favorite gal who has always liked the funny lines in this show was like, "Ugh, I hate stoning." <laughs> Shout out to you, girl, because you're, you're the comic relief of the show. You always get the best comic lines. But um, and so we have this scene set up where they're circling around her, and they just like don't, they can't bring themselves to do it. Mm-hmm. And strangely, the new of Glenn, of Glenn two who is usually like, don't get me in trouble. I like my place here. Don't make a fuss. Don't get us in trouble. She's the first one to be like, oh, Lydia, we can't do this. And she gets like smacked in the face by a guardian. And you're like, okay, so this is obviously something that everybody feels strongly about. If the one person, one girl on the block who is all about Gilead is like, uh, uh-uh, we can't do this. And, uh, so there's the whole scene where they walk up and they drop the stones and they say, I'm sorry, Aunt Lydia. And they all refuse to do it as a mm-hmm. collective. And I think there's a l- great line at the beginning of the episode that said they shouldn't have given us uniforms if they didn't want I us want to, to be in the army. army. Yeah. Oh, great writing. Great writing. Great quotes. This mm-hmm. show is full of great quotes. And that's important because, you know, we've seen the collective sisterhood get stronger and stronger between these handmaids and how they protect each other and how they give each other information and comfort each other and so this just becomes like the prime example like they they know they're they're gonna get punished they know they're gonna be consequences they're not gonna let this go but the fact like just that entire moral situation of being a handmaid and asking to take out one of your sisters I mean I couldn't find you know I you you know you I couldn't bring myself to do that, you know, and you, you, just feel for them because you know that there is not one person in that group that would, that can bring themselves to do it. And just that great scene, I think last year when we uh, talked about this episode, uh, when it first aired and it was Nina Simone's, um, feeling good mm-hmm. and, uh, how significant that is as, um, Nina Simone as a, as a feminist and woman mm-hmm. of color. Um, so yeah, I think, um, we get some flashbacks, too, about how, like, when they're first taken to the Red Center and they're, like, marked and tagged and how they're sort of taught to behave. Mm-hmm. And they talk about terror, how at first, like, there's always terror in the eyes and that how sustained the terror was. And now, like, it's not present because it's, like, become so common.
1: You just feel like that all the time. Your adrenaline exactly receptors just sort of burn out after a while.
0: But that's a great um, conclusion. I think that they included all of the handmaids as a collective, sort of like a nice little closure of that moment, like a small little win because we know that there's repercussions coming. But sort of as a collective, they've managed to do something that's seemingly impossible: mm-hmm. is to fight against um, their mold, and um, they, despite knowing that they're probably going to get severely punished for it.
1: There may be there may have been some level of you know, like, we used to do this in college. There was this one major thoroughfare that ran through the middle of our campus, mm-hmm. and whenever we would jaywalk, we would jaywalk in a really big bunch, because the <laughs> idea was they yeah. can't hit us all. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, What are they going to do? Kill all of them? Where are they mm-hmm. going to get more? Yeah. I mean, they've, they've just learned they're an exportable resource, so wh- where... Where are they going to get more of them? They don't have any more. Right. So um, they can't punish them but so much.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: They can't kill them. They, they can't rip their wombs out or anything. Right. I mean, you know. It also um,
0: makes me wonder, because in A Woman's Place, when we learn about the handmaid's trade, how they didn't want to put, like, the maimed ones, the ones who have been obviously mm-hmm. injured, in display, but, like, eventually, if they get, tra- I mean, you're gonna just sound like the good-looking ones, but then, like, if they misbehave, like, how do you punish them? So you're gonna, so, so there's this whole, which I'm sure we're gonna get a lot of info in, in season two, hopefully, but, the, so there's a lot of questions there, because it's like, okay, so you're gonna cut off everybody's hand, but then who are you gonna, who are you gonna trade? You know, mm-hmm. you're gonna send somebody out there without without a hand, and you made everything look so rosy and great. So, a lot of questions there, but uh, hopefully the show writers will answer them.
1: Yeah. Um, the other thing, did we touch on the the letters? Oh, we haven't. We did. We did. Yes. Ooh. Ooh. Yes. Yes. So. Um, the package. The package. So she gets the package home, and she opens up the package to see what is in the package, and what is in the package again with the bawling.
0: Oh man! Um,
1: are hundreds like a huge stack of letters? Okay, so number one, letters. Yeah. So these are people who have risked their lives to write. She can down. a hand. Right for writing. Um. And, and she's reading them, and they would have to read their own writing. And, you know, so this is, they are really taking their lives in their hands here, yeah. trying to send letters to the outside world to say, what you are hearing about what's going on in here is not the truth. Mm-hmm. Don't forget about us. Mm-hmm. My mm-hmm. child has been taken from me. My husband was killed. This happened to me. They are raping us. This mm. is, you know, um. so they can get that information to the outside world. Yeah. And there's just letter after letter heartbreaking. after letter, heartbreaking. Um. So yeah, that was uh.
0: Yeah, the letters. I didn't expect that because, you know, I think I watch a lot of sci-fi. I watch I watch a lot of spy movies, I watch a lot of action movies. And so when people have these like covert missions, like what is the package? It's like a secret list and it's, you know, this intel. And the intel are these is are these women's lives, their stories. Mm. And I think also because you're also a storyteller, we're both actors, and that from a storytelling perspective that's so powerful. And if you're out there and you're like a journalist or you consume journalism, how People's stories really make an effect on how you change policies. Wasn't it that the turn the tide of um the American public opinion in Vietnam was because mm-hmm. journalists went there and they showed people what was actually happening. Mm-hmm. And that um led to uh the US pulling out of the Vietnam War, among other things. But so it seems like what is this bunch of letters gonna do? But they are so powerful. And so uh we, we're getting into like the end scene where um, Nick, w- they the black van pulls up and Alfred knows it's her time. She's mm-hmm. like, I'm being taken away. But Nick comes in and was like, just go with them. Trust me. So there's something there. We don't know if she's going to be taken care of. Hopefully, yes, is what we're hinting at.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: on her way out, Rita, she was like behind the bathtub. So now it's being passed off to
1: Rita. And
0: mm-hmm. now Rita this this uh what is that the torch is now being passed to Rita and which I think is really interesting because we get a little bit more of her this uh episode or the last episode I think it's this episode where she has this that drink with Serena Joy and we find out more about her about how she had a 19 year old son that died in the war and Mm -hmm. um the the actress Amanda that plays uh Rita is much younger looking than I think Rita is supposed to be. I think Rita's supposed to be mm-hmm. much more in age, especially if she had a nineteen-year-old son. Um, so we get more of this softer side of Rita than what she puts on, and so it's going to be interesting to find out what Rita does with the package and the mm-hmm. letters. Um, and I have a feeling they're in good hands, but you never know what can happen because Rita's definitely, you know, she's part of the household. She hasn't taken part in anything risky. Other than, you know, know where the booze is stashed. You know, sort of look the other way once in a while. Trade for things with the other Marthas.
1: So she's now put in a position. And she's sort of looking out for Mm Offred. Mm-hmm. You know, and and slipping her little things here and there. That's true, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, When she wasn't supposed to be eating and, Mm -hmm. you know, and she was, you know... Um, cause she was all locked up in her room and everything. So, I mean, she, she, there, there's a certain soft heartedness she has for her, whether it's for her per se or for the, for the baby that she's uh-huh. likely to produce, well, is supposed to produce now. Uh-huh, I mean, cause now good. everybody knows she's pregnant. Um, or whether it's because of the one who died before her. Um, and so the, she wants to make sure that, you know, that she's as comfortable as she can, can be under the circumstances. But, I mean, she has a certain soft-heartedness, so I think that's why she looked to Rita to take care of that. I thought it was interesting that she didn't give it to Nick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She, she mm-hmm. turned to another sister. Yeah. I mean, not a if not a handmaid, at least another woman. Yeah. And said, I need you to take care of this. This is where this is.
0: I think that would be... Yeah, to be, to imagine myself being Rita and to read those letters, I mean, I think that would be really effective to try to want to honor the people that are in that. Because Nick is, you know, he's used to dealing with very risky things, so sometimes the decisions that people make in that situation is to cut their losses. And so I don't think tasking, I think tasking Rita, it it was just such a spur-of-the-moment thing, too, Mm -hmm. because... She knew something was coming, but she didn't have time to really plan anything. And Rita just sort of was that opportunity moment. Um, but I, I do love that it is another sister. I think that was very poignant to make it, to, ha- to hand that off to her for sure.
1: And to be fair, Nick's a double agent. Mm hmm.
0: Never know where his loyalty lies. We still don't Actually,
1: know. Actually, Nick's a triple agent.
0: Yeah, a triple agent. Because. Mayday.
1: He, he, he's hooked in with Mayday. He's the commander's guy, but then he's also Commander Price's Mm -hmm. guy because Commander Price got him placed there in the first place as a spy. Yep. So he's like a triple agent.
0: Yeah, he has a lot of loyalties. And so, who knows what he would have done with it? Um, uh, really important is we definitely get to Moira and she finds her way to Canada. And Canada's refugee program puts all refugee programs to shame in this show. <laughs> um, puts them in a really great line. Which uh, Canada's great with the you know uh, humanitarian aid and all of that great stuff. And she was like, here's a phone, and here's you know four hundred dollars, and here's uh your, your, car ins- yeah, mm-hmm. here's your car insurance. Yeah, uh, here's your car insurance, your um health insurance, and all this stuff. And and this bewilderedness that Moira has I I, I so identified with it. like she struggled through so much years over three years of enduring so much and she's finally escaped and it's that sort of that day is like surreal feeling and shock I'm assuming also things are
1: not like this everywhere
0: yeah and uh she's actually now on her own because even though she was at Jezebel's and she was you know being pimped out you know to be you know a sex worker under uh uh she had sisterhood there. She had, you know, people around her, you know, um, at the Red Center, at, you know, the other places she's been. She um, has had people around her. She has not had to be alone. Mm-hmm. And so this is, I think, her first time really truly feeling alone. And then Luke shows up. And Luke is like, you're on my list. My list of family. Sobbing. Uh, more sobbing. sobbing. Lots
1: of sobbing. And Mascara I think, in yes. my eyes.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think that's a great... Um, Thing to add into in the series is that you know these families these family units we create they're not traditional they look all sorts of different ways in contrast to the very nuclear very specific family units that Gilead tries to uh, form mm-hmm. um, so that was a great that was a great moment. I think a closure moment of, of, of getting some storylines crossed. You know, some 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 momentum, you know, some closing some of some chapters that Moira's not out flying in the wind. She's actually safe. Luke is safe. We know where Hannah is. We don't know where June is. We'll find yeah. out.
1: <laughs> I guess we will find out. But uh, um, the other thing that that says is Luke was pretty sure Moira, Moira was going to get there. Mm-hmm. You don't put somebody down as contact me if this person comes over the border if you're not pretty sure they're coming.
0: Right. Yeah. So,
1: I mean, you know, if anybody's going to get here, it's going to be more. It's going to be
0: more. For sure. (laughs) Awesome. Alrighty. Well, we have lots to chew on, but not for too much longer because season premieres. Next week. So get your Hulu subscriptions and (laughs) make sure you tune in, um, subscribe, share, um, like our Facebook page at Handmaids, uh, at The Handmaid's Podcast. Um, uh, email us at thehandmaidspodcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions, um, tell us what you want us to cover, any questions about season one, um, any comments you have throughout season two, please email us, reach out to us on Facebook. We will uh, answer all your questions and uh, comments, and we will see you soon for season two. Bye, Bye. everyone. Thanks so much for listening to The Handmaid's Podcast. My name is Donna Bali. I'm your host and producer. Thanks to K. Megan Washington for helping me with the recap for episode 9 and 10. And we will be back for season 2. So tune in. Abigail Johnson and K. Megan Washington will be my series regular co-hosts for the remainder of this season. Tune in to Hulu for The Handmaid's Tales season 2 premiere on April 25th. We'll be releasing our uh, recap, discussion, and review of Season 2 every evening on Wednesdays on the day the show airs on Hulu. Thanks so much to our beautiful downtown Baltimore, Maryland studios of Look On Media. Thank you to Jelko Strakal, who designed our logo. And our music is by Ben Sound. Thanks so much. See you soon.